Hello. Uh, this is a message from uh, Barack Obama. Remember me? So, a lot of people want me to come out and uh, lead this thing. Uh, now, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Uh, me and Michelle, we've been uh, sitting on the beach in uh, the Hamptons. I don't know if the Hamptons has a beach, but uh, but let's go with it. And uh, I just want to say, get well soon, everybody, because uh, you're in for one hell of a ride. Uh, Mr. President, can I ask you a question? I'm not the president. You can ask the real president. Mr. Trump? Uh, thank you, Barack. I really appreciate all the time and all the effort that you've put in vacationing in the Hamptons. I really appreciate it. What a good guy, bro. What a great guy. Now, I just want to give you advice. Oh, uh, sure. Take the UV light. Put it in a syringe and put it in your body. That's the only way. It's the only way, folks. It's the only way. That's the only way. Uh, what? It's the only way to be safe from the Corona COVID nineteen virus. It's the only way. Uh, that sounds like sound advice, Donald. Thank you very much. You're welcome, Barack. You know what they say. I do have a big brain. My brain. It's huge, 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 huge. Hey guys, welcome back to the Best and Meets podcast. I thought I'd uh, have a little cold open there. Um, I really didn't know how to start this podcast, so I thought, what the hell? Throw in a Barack Obama and a Donald Trump conversation. Uh, this podcast is not about coronavirus. It is much, much, much more fun. I'm talking to Anthony from Adonis. And if you have not heard of Adonis before, then stop this podcast right now. Go to YouTube, search for Adonis or Adonis Band, and check out their songs. Check out Natar, amazing song with Aziz Malaka, who was on this podcast before. Check out a bunch of their uh, a bunch of their songs. They are an amazing band, amazing, amazing band, which bridges Western and Arabic music like no other band does, uh, at least that I know of in this region. So, without further ado, I don't want to make this a really long intro. I really hoped you liked this intro. Um, it has nothing to do with, pot- with the rest of this podcast, but enjoy the conversation with my man, Anthony. It was one of the best conversations I had on this podcast. Here we go. How is it in Lebanon right now? I mean, it's pretty much like everywhere. Streets are empty. Um, businesses are closed. And people are just, you know, um, trying to get by the best they can by by being home. Hmm. Who, um, the problem in Lebanon is that in parallel to the whole health crisis, there's also a financial crisis, a big-ass financial crisis yeah. that hit the country like a few months before all this started. And anyway, businesses were starting to close. People were starting to lose their jobs. Uh, the currency starting to get, you know, devaluated. So I have no idea how it's going to be like after lock-in is over and everything goes back to normal. I don't know how it's going to be, honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard, I mean, you guys... 
you guys have been having issues before this whole corona thing started yeah, 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 yeah you had yeah. A, you had a revolution and you had uh, oh. the financial stuff so yeah man it's tough i guess you know does that influence you i feel like we've already started this podcast by the way just have, just have we i don't know if you have or not i feel like we I'm have answering very hecky. i feel like we have <laughs> and this is the goal here right so let's just have a conversation um and this is my style uh i try not to edit anything by the way i try to just keep right. it as free flowing as possible so um yeah just just chill man we're it's, we're, we're chilling out at night at home and we're all locked down, so might as well have a conversation with with, with a new person. Um, yeah. So, in this uh, environment, do you feel like you're being inspired by, to write? To uh, are you frustrated? Are you? Um, how do you feel being at home for all this time? And what do you feel? In the, like? in the first couple of weeks, it was hell. Inspiration-wise, I could mm. not write anything. I could not even play. I would sit on the piano for like two or three hours a day trying to come up with something and, and nothing, wow. you know? So I thought, shit, this is how it's going to be like for the next, I don't know how many weeks or months. But then I think something switched, something very dull actually, is that I started working out from home. And okay. I had never worked out before. I had never done any kinds of sports besides like playing football once or twice a week. That's so I started bad. working out at home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I started doing like the daily, you know, exercise, following like these uh, tutorials or these uh, homemade videos on Instagram or YouTube. Mm. And I started feeling good. I'm like, okay, this is interesting. Like I'm doing something I've been craving to do for I don't know how many years of my life for the first time. So there might be some actually something good that can come up out of all this. And then I started, you know, just trying, instead of trying to write music, trying to practice my piano playing. So I got like these score books um of partitions i've been meaning to practice or to work on and i was able to get to them and then slowly you know almost seamlessly inspiration started coming back and just started writing again amazing amazing so it hasn't been a complete um dull uh experience i think uh, for a lot of people it's uh, it's very interesting because um you're stuck at home and you have now you have all this time on your hands yeah. And you're like, okay, well, what do I do with all this time? Because we're not used to this. You know, we're used to yeah. always on the go, always got to get something done. And now almost like, shit, we're at home now. We're not commuting anywhere. Uh, this, yeah. That has, the hustle of life has really slowed down. Um, so what do so, we do with all of this? So, uh, for me, for example, I'm writing more. I'm writing, you know, show, podcast shows a lot nice. at this time. And it's really interesting to see a musician as such as yourself. Do you feel like, you know what, I'm going to write about this situation. I'm, I'm going to channel this emotion and these feelings into my songs. Like I want to, I want to come up with something different this time. Is that, I mean, I, maybe that's something that doesn't really affect you or some, but I would, I would it'd be very interesting to know. And how would you compare that with, how do you usually write? How do you usually actually come up with your songs? Listen, it's not, it's not that, uh, it's not, it's not that rational. I mean, I never say, Okay, I want to write about uh, hopelessness, sadness, happiness, heartbreak. Um, I mean, it's just a story that I, I want to say. Mm. And then whatever emotion is in the story just comes out in the song. Amazing. You know, um, for, for this particular situation we're in, which is probably something that none of us has experienced before, 
we did write one particular thong, song, which is Thugbun uh, Aswad, Black Hole, mm. which we released last week. It's yeah. basically about a black hole coming down to swallow the planet and then how people would deal with that, how specifically uh, uh, two people in love would deal with that, you know? So in a way, yes, it was kind of inspired by the events with a like sci-fi twist <laughs> to it. But um, for the rest of the things, I'm, of the stuff I'm writing, it's just, you know, like usual stories that I want to say, things that I've been through, things, that's, that's things that one of the guys has been through. And yeah, that's about it. So I guess to build context for the listener, let's take a, a step back and let's talk about, you know, Adonis and, um, and the band that you, you're in right now and you've started. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, you just told me in the beginning you were an architect and you're no longer that. So let's take yeah. a step back and talk to me about Adonis and how did this whole thing start? Like what, how did it start? Man? How did, you get, I mean, obviously you have so much talent, you know, how did it start and where did it, how did you get here today? I'm very interested to know that story. Yeah, yeah. It started, the band started nine years ago. We were, I was a student at American University of Beirut. I was studying architecture and I met Joey, who's the guitarist of the band. And you had, you know, similar tastes in uh, many things, including music. So, uh, and in particular, Arabic music. And we were one of the few people in our uh, circle who enjoyed genuinely like listening to, you know, Melham Barakat or Wadi Asafi, like we would trip for hours on, on, these, on these tracks. So eventually we started getting together to try to play these songs that we loved so much. Uh, and then it got a bit more um, interesting when we started trying to write in Arabic. And when we started creating our own songs, this is when the idea of the band came up. We were like, why not try to like form a group, be able to record these songs, perform these songs, and see where it takes us. And there was the experience of Mashra um, Layla, which was, um, I mean, which was already starting to get noticed, mm. you know, and they were doing music in Arabic, which had never been done before. And it seemed like they were onto something. Uh, other bands as well that we uh, that we listened to at the time, some Jordanian bands, Jadal, uh, Autostrad. Also, we were big fans of Yasmin Hamdan. So we had like these small references. But we had another side of our spectrum, which was the actual pop that was on the radio, like the actual Arabic pop. And And the initial impulse was to try to create some kind of Arabic music that would be like these bands that we liked, that we followed, that we were friends with. But at the same time, that would be more um, um, local, you know, more that sound more like the stuff that we love, that we listen to on the side, that sound more like that sounds more like Ziyad uh, Rahbene. So this is, how it, this is how it started. Amazing. Amazing. And um, do you feel, when you look at other bands, like you would just mention the couple, um, yeah. Do you see those as your peers? Do you see those as you, as the scene that you you're building together, or do you feel like you, they have, um, you know, you're of a different generation? Um, how how do you see yourself when you compare yourself to these up and coming artists like you? Yeah. Um, um, basically, I think 
I, I can't really say we're from a different generation because, I mean, there's not so much age difference. And it's only a few years apart, you know, uh, our band started. I mean, for example, Yasmin Hamdan, yes, I do consider her of, a, of, an, of a, an older generation because she started with soap kills in uh, the late 90s, mm. even maybe a bit before that. Um, but for the other bands, uh, like Jadal, for example, or, or Mashra Layla, or, uh, or Masar Iqbar, you know, I think we're from the same generation. Um, but, I mean, yes, of course, we're part of the same scene, as you say. But also, each has their own particularities in terms of uh, the kind of music we do, the kind of uh, audience we speak to. And do you feel uh, it gets uh, competitive when you look at other artists and you think like, oh, man, they released a really good record, man, and they're getting a lot of attention and that kind of thing. I want to top that. I think I can do something stronger. Is that something yeah. that you feel? Of, of course, of course, but not so much at the level of the, of the you know, recognition or, or at the level of uh, uh, success, you know, because we each have in their own way our... Uh, uh, our own success, our own recognition, but definitely we do feel competitive at the level of the music, the production. Mm-hmm. We listen a lot to what everyone does and we're trying all the time to, oh, check this out, this is so cool. We send each other stuff like, my God, how did they do that? How did they, how did they get this guitar sound? Um, like things like this. This is, this is where I think, um, this is where one of the main driving forces uh, for us in general, and I think for us in particular, and I think for the scene in general, Lies. Mm. It's a very active scene and it's spread over many countries. There are so many beautiful things happening all the time that, you know, you can't but to be inspired, constantly challenged um, to, 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 to do better and, and to level up. How do you see um, your journey towards, how did you recognize, I guess, that you have now become a band that is now recognizable and successful like was there a particular moment where you walked on stage for example and you saw the people yeah, the fans or yeah. and you felt holy holy shit man we're like we're, we're getting there you know like we're actually, actually yeah yeah actually this happened a couple of years ago when we started noticing that like effortlessly you know we would just sell out uh, venues in lebanon and jordan wow. particularly wow Whereas before, you know, you had to do all this effort and, and all this promotion and, and, and it would never work out the way you wanted it to. And then suddenly you're just like, they're just not doing anything, just saying that you have a concert, announcing a tour, and then people would just come, you know, and then you would have to look for uh, bigger venues to do extra nights. And, and wow. this, it, it was at this point where we were like, okay, we're, we're onto something. And, and of course, it gives you the motivation to... Uh, do better to work faster to produce more music so it becomes exponential at some point yeah oh man that must that must be very surreal huh like i I can't imagine people singing the words that you wrote you know like that must be honestly something that's very special yeah it is it is it is definitely it's the most special thing i think about about the whole job you know it's it's when you hear a huge crowd singing back a song to you like okay yeah <laughs> it's like a different level D- speaking of jobs you were just saying to me uh, in the beginning that um you were an architect not yeah. are were an architect yeah. So yeah what happened there what how did you decide that 
this is not for me. You know, like I'm not going to do this architect thing. Actually, actually, the couple of years ago, when you know all this change started happening for us as a as a band, um, which which I was just talking to you about, this is when I'm like, okay, maybe I don't need this uh, other parallel life anymore. Because before, I I mean, I'm very passionate, obviously, about architecture, and and I'd like to think I was good at it. I've worked with offices, I've had independent clients, I've done some freelancing in Lebanon and Saudi. Um, I loved it. But for me, it was always music first. And architecture was always just a means to be able to sustain our music, you know, mm-hmm. to be able to to, to um, finance our production, our recordings, our tours. And then at some point when I felt that we didn't need this anymore as a band, that we were good, um, I'm like, okay, this is the time or never to just focus 24-7 on music and try to make the, the best out of it. Did did you have a backlash from, uh, you know, your family members or something saying like, what are you doing? Why why are you... You know, not not really because, because very early on, um, very early on, I was kind of financially independent from them. I moved out at an early age. Uh, so, so they were always supportive in the sense that they weren't really scared that I would do a major fuck up uh, <laughs> in my life. Um, so yeah, I, I got some backlash from some clients though, because the moment I decided to stop architecture, I was in the middle of a project <laughs> and yeah, it wasn't pretty. Yeah. And I was very impulsive about it. Like I, I didn't say to myself, okay, let's just finish this project. And then I'm like, okay, guys, I'm, I'm done. Sorry. I'm going to find you someone else to finish it. Um, good luck. Have a nice life. <laughs> <laughs> and this is my band's website. If you want to check what I'll be doing, <laughs> follow me on Spotify. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but was it a gradual thing for you or, or was it like, um, cold Turkey one day you're like, guys. Yeah, yeah it was, it, it was, I, I didn't know this expression, but it's cool. Cold Turkey. It was cold Turkey actually. Yeah. yeah it's, it's cold Turkey. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So you just like, okay, I'm out. Let's rip the bandaid. Let's do this. That's a new, that's another expression. Rip the bandaid. Uh, yeah. Because, because, you know, you, you never, I mean, if, if you say to yourself, okay, I'm going to plan this and I'm going to stop in six months, in a year, especially in a, in a, in a field like architecture where projects could take up to years and years, you know, to be completed. And by the time you're finishing something, something else is coming up. So I was scared to be stuck uh, really. So this is why I said to myself, okay, even if I have something ongoing, even if I'm going to fight with this client, if I'm going to face legal implications, financial implications, whatever, I just need to do this and, and like to do it now. So yeah, this is what happened. Amazing. Amazing. It takes a lot of guts to do that. Huh? Like it, it's, it's not an easy thing to actually decide to, you know, you've, I think, especially in our culture in in this region, uh, yeah. we are brought up to believe you know, you go to school, you go to university, you get your degree and you get a job and you stick to it for life. So you, that's, we've been trained, like we don't have the culture of, no, go and explore the arts, go and explore your passions. Like we, in general, we don't encourage that in our culture. You know, true, we want you true. to be a doctor, Fortunately. A, a, an engineer, you know, an architect <laughs> such as yourself. Um, yeah. But it's amazing to me that uh, I get to talk to people like you. I, I had uh, Aziz Maraka on uh, a few months ago, and he was telling me, again, another similar story of how he also did this whole decision where he didn't want to um, have a normal job, and he wanted to 
follow his dream and his passion to become a star. Yeah. You know, and I love I love that he owned it. I love that he he said it to himself. I want to be a star, and 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 he actually followed that dream. And it's amazing to me uh, when I talk to people like you. You have that, yeah. Fuck it. I'm gonna follow my dream. I'm gonna make it happen, and uh, I don't care what the cost is. I'm I'm just gonna make this thing happen. So honestly, that's that's really cool. And it's it, we should have more people following their dreams like that because I think we'll have a much healthier society. You know what I mean? We, we, I mean, we try whenever we can, um, whenever we get the chance to, you know, meet uh, fans or talk to them, or whatever. We always try to to make this a priority in our conversation because, as you said, in our culture specifically, we lack the encouragement for some fields of work, such as the art, who are as important, obviously, to any uh, culture. So we try to make up for this by always insisting on younger people, like guys like this do this you know stand up for yourself you only stand up for yourself once it's like a tough week a tough month a tough year with your family with your surrounding but then you'll be good for life you'll be happy for life that's good advice that's good advice i mean i think it's particularly very true in lebanon because you have such a creative um population you know and um you know i mean i'm not lebanese but when i go to lebanon and i I go to beirut you just feel in the air there is that sort of musical artistic culture um there is yeah. in the streets of lebanon you know and i've seen a few gigs in lebanon and um and even bands that are really not that known are so good you know and i'm mm. just like this is actually there's a beautiful scene in lebanon yeah there's a beautiful scene yeah how, how does that inspire you and how does it inspire you know you were talking about melham barakat earlier um yeah. who's a you know an icon um, yeah. or, or the Rahbanis, who are also icons. Yeah. Um, yeah. But how do you marry that inspiration, the Arabic, very Arabic, very traditional inspiration, to your style, which is super poppy, uh, sonically very modern? Um, how did that happen? And who's the lyricist? Is it you? you do you like the... Yeah, yeah I do. I do. Listen, our, our style is not really a choice. I don't think any band's sound is a, is a, is a choice because there's only so much you can do with the instruments you have in your formation. The instruments you do have in your formation are a result of, uh, you know, a random meeting between people who decide to play music together. So, for instance, in, in, in our case, I play the piano and I'm writing the lyrics on the base of the music. So, definitely, somehow, this is going to leak into the song and the song are going to be piano-based you know, and then we have a guitarist who's also very uh, specific in his sound. You have a drummer, you have a bassist. So already this formation, the, the, dyna- the dynamic in the band, plus the instruments you play, already have created 90% of the sound, I, I think. The rest is just details. Mm-hmm. Do we want to go a bit more oriented, a bit more pop, a bit more electronic? This depends on a mood we're feeling, some inspiration, producer we're working with. And then... So you have the sound that's already there, de facto, and then you have your inspiration, which is something maybe not conventionally performed with these instruments. Mm. And then you try to, to marry them, as you say, and, and something come up, comes up, which is your unique, the unique sounds that defines you as a band, as an artist. Mm. And, and is that to you guys, is that sustainable in terms of like, um, uh, you know, the oh, the flow of ideas like how often do you feel like uh 
actually, let me let me put it for you this way. I see a lot of bands releasing content right now in a very, yeah. everybody has a different way of releasing content, you know? Some people like to release full albums. Um, yeah. But now with the age of streaming and uh, Spotify and Rami, all that kind of stuff, I'm seeing a lot of people releasing songs like one by one, you know, like here's yeah. a song today, in a month I'll release another one, in a month I'll release another one and so on and so forth. Do you uh, do you think that's an easier way for you as an artist to be to have the room for creativity to write something like it, it's something that's coming from the heart it doesn't really feel like a job it doesn't feel like oh shit i need to complete 12 songs for this album um yeah. i just need to do one song i'm feeling it i'm putting it out there and then i'm going to work on another one another one another which one do you think is the better way i mean i can tell you my 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 thoughts as a as a listener but yes. I'd love to hear your 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 uh, input as an artist. No, let, let let me know yours first. I'd like to know what you think about this. <laughs> I'm I'm super old school, man, and I love like I'm a huge Metallica fan. I'm a huge like rock yeah. and roll fan. And for me, when a band releases a new album, it's a special occasion. You know what I mean? Like I love getting the actual you know uh, CD um, with the packaging. And you open it and you smell the, the, the papers and you read the lyrics and, and you pop that CD in for the first time and you hear the music like, oh, man, this is so good. You know, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, with the last Metallica album, I didn't get to enjoy that because they, I heard it on Apple Music. So it was Ouch. directly from the app. So what are you going to do? Um, yeah. But I did go out and buy the CD, you know, when, as soon as it was made available. But yeah. I love the old way of releasing, like Tool, for example, just released an album for the first time oh. in, what was it, 15 years, 13 years. So for me, I love that Tool released all the songs because I feel like it's an immersive experience when you start from song one and work your way all the way to song 10 or 15 or whatever. It's an immersive experience. You feel like you are listening through a journey. Whereas I feel if you just l- drop one track, I didn't really get... Adonis, you know what I mean? I didn't get that immersive experience that I wanted to get from it. I, I heard a really cool song by them, but I wish I had more, you know? And yeah. and that's why I love the older way of releasing things, which is a full-length record and that kind of thing. But, but I understand that times have changed. I understand that, um, you know, you, bands cannot operate like that anymore. And I, I understand that it gives a certain freedom to the band to release the way they want to release, you know? So I would love to know your your thoughts on this and how bands are now performing and how they're releasing and that kind of thing. I mean, I'm very much in line with with your uh, with your vision of it. I, I myself like. I think well because we grew up in an age where CDs were still you know a thing. Um, true. <laughs> so yeah, we have this we have this longing to, as you say, buy the CD, open it, read the lyrics, play it, and. It helps that we write music in chunk, us as a band. I mean, we have this thing where we do not work on any music for like a year. And then we spend two or three months only writing and recording. So we work already within the structure that allows us to create albums, Mm. um, which I think is not the case for a lot of bands, probably because of um, maybe because they're touring too much, maybe because they have a different, uh, I don't know, a different lifestyle, a different way of doing things. But for us, it still works to, 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 to do music as full albums rather than as singles. What we usually do is we've been doing it, I mean, for our past two albums, 
we release one, two singles from the album and then we drop the remaining 10, 11 songs. Mm. And I think we're going to do the same for, for our next, uh, for our next album. Great. Cause I, cause I see, I mean, that's great news for me because <laughs> I like that musical experience. Um, and, and, you know, I, th- I, th- I see a lot of bands though. I think, like you said, a lot of bands, like, I think it goes down to how to make a livelihood, you know, and how to, um, how they can start making the stand a, a, you know, something for the, like a job, you know, it, it needs yeah. to be a job. It needs to be to pay the bills. And I think by touring, by selling merchandise, that's the main contributor, right? To, to the way oh. a band makes money. So I don't oh. know if you guys experience it the same way or do you see, do you have other ways of like sustaining this, this thing as a band? No, I mean, I mean, in our particular case, I'm the only one who's doing just music 24 ah, seven. Mm-hmm. The guys all have their, um, their day jobs which uh, are cool because they allow them some freedoms each in his own way to be able to tour and work on music. Um, Great. However, now uh, I I think after this period that you're going through, things are going to change a bit for us and for all musicians Mm -hmm. because I mean, for, for instance, we had a tour planned out for February and um, March, which was obviously canceled. Some shows were postponed till, uh, till, uh, till fall 2020. So we started focusing more on merchandise um, that you can, you know, distribute online on uh, creating more content for streaming platforms so that you can stay in touch with your fans. And at the same time, so that you can create a sustainable model to, you know, keep being able to produce and to make music and to sustain yourself. So, and I think it's happening to a lot of, 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 of bands. And I think the ones who will get out of this healthy are the bands who can balance between touring and between having good quality content out there. Mm. Yeah, because I was thinking about this earlier today and I was, I was glad that I was going to talk to a musician uh, about this, a professional musician, um, yeah. because um, I was thinking about that. I was reading something today that says, there's an all likelihood big tours and festivals won't come back anytime this year. And yeah. also I started thinking about bands, you know, who really rely on touring. They really yeah. rely on touring to make their livelihood, you know? So um, it's for me, it's like, like how would, how do bands, how can bands survive this period? You know, this, this whole insane period that we're living in right now. Especially somebody like you, I'm, I'm sure you think about these things. You know, I'm sure you think about well, shit, we I'm... do, we we definitely do. I mean, there's there's talks of online alternatives for tours and concerts, like where you can actually do an online virtual concert mm. and find a way to have a, like a box office for it, or have people subscribe, sign in, pay a fee, whatever. Interesting. But I mean, this is a cool um, alternative. Temporary, but definitely it doesn't compensate for uh, whatever you get, you know, on tour, whether as an artist, whether financially, whether um, in terms of fans, uh, inspiration as fans, as exposure, as everything. I I don't know. Honestly, I don't know what to answer to that question. I mean, I think uh, this is why in like more, um, I don't like the specification, but like first world countries, as they call them, in almost every one of these countries, there's a support program for specifically um, artists. 
especially freelance artists, especially musicians, uh, photographers, you know, I mean, they need support in this period. They are right. people who need support the most, probably. 100%. I totally agree with you. Um, and uh, and uh, I'm, I'm sorry, because it just today I, a friend was talking to me about this earlier. They, they're doing, uh, you know, in, in Germany, the state would support. Obviously, in Lebanon, the state wouldn't because the state is broke and, and uh, doesn't give a shit about culture. But um, alternatively, there's a nice um, initiative by an NGO which is doing like a fundraising program for uh, two types of workers, for artists and, and uh, in Arabic, they call them Ashab al al Harra. Mm. Like, uh, you know, freelancing artists Freelancers, of all yeah. types. Exactly. And also for all the people who work in nightlife, you know, because in Lebanon, a big part of the economy relies on services, on restaurants, on clubs. So like you have the big valet parking companies, security companies, bartenders, people who get paid, you know, by the hours that don't have a fixed salary. Mm. So there's this program being put in place. They ask us actually to be, to be part of it, to, to promote it, which we're definitely going to do. So I mean, this is this is how it's gonna be. I think I think for the next couple of months, people are gonna have to rely on programs, on institutions, on on states to to support them until things get back to normal. Yeah, yeah, it is a crazy time, it's a turbulent time, untested times. Um, so when when you look at your journey, I mean, obviously this is now one of the toughest, probably in terms of like you know financials and stuff. But where did you feel at some point as you were building? this band and the music and the, and the writing, where did you feel it was the most challenging for you? I mean, we make pop music, you know, we don't make very difficult music, if I'm allowed to call it that. So for us, I know for a fact, and it's been tested over and over that if we get the chance to make a person passing randomly on the sidewalk listen to our song they're gonna like it they're gonna get hooked to it so the problem for us isn't like wasn't finding you know a sound that we're comfortable with and that can click with people the problem is how to get it out there how to get people to listen to it mm. you know and and this is this they took years of trying to convince radio stations to play your music trying to convince um established festivals to give you opportunities, venues in Lebanon and abroad. It's not easy. Uh, I think it's, it was the hardest part of it. But all in all, once you have this um, established, then everything is, is possible. This is, how, this is how we feel, at least. So just literally don't take no for an answer and just keep fighting. Until yeah, you just create that. your platforms. I mean, create your platforms before you... Or while you're creating your music, it's as important to create your platforms, to focus on having a place where you can put music out and people can listen to it. And do you have, are your family your fans? Do they listen to your music? Do they? Yeah, they, yeah, they are. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, they're, 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 they're like, they're not our fans, they're like our top fans. They're first people at concerts, um, some of them even traveled with us on some occasions when we were doing gigs uh, around. Yeah, they are. That's really cool, man. And I think it's, it's really important, I guess, the support of the family to actually for you to succeed and, and to build what you're building. Definitely. It's amazing. Definitely. Um, and so the, the radios finally supported you guys, right? So they, they finally yeah. came around and they're like, sure, let's, uh, let's turn this thing around. Let's give it, you guys a shot. 
Um, did you see, is that when you started seeing a, a trajectory to the top where you started seeing, you know, well, okay, a lot of people are starting to recognize our music and that kind of thing. Um, Actually, for us, it was more uh, when Anrami started really supporting us that we started seeing a difference. Really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, it was a particular song that we released called Zashin Har. Uh-huh. It got everyone in the Anrami team like super hooked. I was listening to it today, the, by the way, just FYI. Like literally today, it was on my playlist cool. and that came nice. up. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so Anrami was supporting you on it? Yeah. And I mean, they got in touch. They're like, we love this. How can we support? How can we help? And then we started just doing practically, I mean, in every major step of our career since then, Anrami has been somehow with us. And it, whether it's a release, even if it's a festival, if it's wow. a project. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. It's actually, it is, yeah. it is. We're really grateful to them. And, and I think they're doing amazing, and not just for us, they're doing amazing things for the music scene in Lebanon, in particular because they're based in Lebanon, but also in the Middle East in general. And, um, and I think they make up for a lot of uh, lacks that we have in our infrastructure. Yeah. I mean, I got to give them a shout out. They, uh, they got me an interview with Slash. Nice. So, so, so nice. Uh, I, I am forever. When, when, when was that? Um, that was um, last year. I want to no, two years ago. That was two years ago. Um, uh, Guns and Roses were here for the F1, yeah. and uh, I got a call from uh, uh, my buddy at Anrami, and yeah. uh, and I, had, I was, I mean, I was looking for a while to get uh, Slash on the podcast, you know. And, yeah. um, you know, I tried everybody left, right and center, docking doors and everything. Everybody was like, no, no, no. And, and I even got uh, people saying, I mean, why, why would Slash come on your podcast? Like, this is Slash. Like, why? he could be anywhere. And uh, funny enough, like a week before I was giving up and uh, I got the call from Anrami saying, hey, um, so Slash uh, agreed to do your podcast. I was, like, whoa, whoa, that's awesome. <laughs> I was like, whoa, dude, that's amazing. But, you know, it was, it was so cool. I mean, I went and I met him and I'm a huge Guns N' Roses fan. So yeah. um, to have uh, that, that was really cool. Um, it's funny, actually, my, my, my taste in music is super interesting because I loved, you know, rock and roll and, and, um, and heavy metal and that kind of thing. But also, like, I also have an equal interest in the type of music that you guys are doing. Like, when I say you guys, I mean... Um, your band, Aziz Malaka, um, Jadal, Hayajan, um, you know, these sort of bands that are, have really reinvented Arabic music, you know, um, and didn't leave it stagnated. You know, for me, Arabic music was always the uh, um, chorus, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, yeah. verse, chorus, <laughs> verse. And yeah. the chorus is always like a literally a chorus right like it's like a bunch of people singing it <laughs> you know that's your arabic music and yeah, that yeah, formula yeah. has not changed in like 30 years and oh. then i called this wave the new wave of arabic alternative rock um that honestly has changed the game you know and um and i have to say that adonis is one of my favorite in this scene so it's it's really awesome that you guys honestly like the, your music is, is fantastic uh, the lyrics are fantastic. Your vocals are super unique, man. I love them. Um, and yeah, man. So it's, and I heard your, your track with Aziz, which is also really, really, really awesome and really cool. I mean, if you could tell me a bit about that collaboration and how that came about, that, that's, that's a fantastic song. 
Yeah, sure. I mean, we had met Aziz a couple of years ago at a festival in Jordan. Um, and there was obviously some chemistry. I mean, our approach to music is kind of similar. So uh, a couple of years later, we become friends with uh, Zena, who's Aziz's manager. Mm-hmm. And um, and she starts trying to help us also in, you know, in her own way. Like she, for example, introduced us uh, to you. She, uh, you know, whenever she, like there was a festival or something, she would like be suggesting our name, whatever. So anyway, she's like, why don't try to uh, have a talk with Aziz and maybe work on a track together? I'm like, sure, but on one condition. She's like, what? I'm like, I really, for the life of me, cannot sing any other dialect except the Lebanese one. And Aziz, you know, has a particular way of writing, which is very Jordanian, just like our way is very Lebanese. Mm. I'm like, on one condition that I get to write the song. <laughs> and she's like, fine, just write something, send it our way, and we'll see. So I wrote Nater, um a couple of days, send it to her. And uh, they were both hooked on it. I just shelled it out, you know? Yeah, just... Yeah, just a couple of days. <laughs> no, I mean, a couple of days. It's a lot of time to write a song. I didn't, like, I didn't tell you I wrote it in an hour or two. Like, a couple of days of actual work. That's so, awesome, yeah. man. Okay, so you sent it over to them. And they loved it. They were hooked. And Aziz flew to Beirut. We did the recordings. We filmed a small music video, which we filmed actually here in my house because at the time there was um, some nasty street fights, I think. Revolution related, so oh. there was like, uh, yeah, we weren't allowed to leave the houses basically. So we had booked, like, we had made different plans for the music video, and then we ended up like shooting it here at home. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Amazing, man. It's, it's awesome. It's an awesome song. Uh, do you guys have any collaborations coming up with other artists? We actually do. We, in our in this upcoming album, we're including two new um, Lebanese artists, new, I mean, that have been newly introduced, you know, to the to the scene that have released their first singles. One of them is called Zef. He's a brilliant singer, songwriter, um, surfer. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. And uh, another one is called Manal Malat. Manal had done, like, um, a lot of talent shows, The Voice, Arabs Got Talent. Amazing. Some of them, she has a beautiful voice, but she, had, she hadn't found her, you know, her, musical calling she hadn't found her voice she hadn't found her sound until recently when we started collaborating on a few tracks so um she's releasing a single next week actually called Bia. really strong social uh, message in there and then we're going to release a single together hopefully by by summer amazing amazing i'm really looking forward to that i'm really looking forward to that in fact i honestly See? after this after this conversation i just want to go and binge on your music. I just feel like there's a lot of quality coming out of this conversation that I'm like, God damn, I need to go back and listen to all of that music again, especially that song with Aziz. I mean, I I really want to go back and listen to all that stuff. Um, Usually the opposite happens to me, you know, when I speak to uh, musicians, I hadn't, I didn't know before. I mean, I, I hate this about myself, but I have somehow less interest in their music. Really? I mean, what drives me to listen to something is just the mystery about the, like, it's just yeah. longing to find out who the person is behind the music, you know? And like, I got, got the chance to meet a few of my idols, actually, musical really? idols, I mean. Um, who did you meet that, you know, didn't... It's a very niche didn't make it for Canadian you. singer-songwriter called Rufus Wainwright. I don't know if, you, if you've come across his name or if you've heard his music. 
I'm not, I can't say that I have. I, I feel like I know about music, but I do not know who this person is. He's been around for like 20 years and, and he's been always consistently in these 20 years called like the best songwriter of our time. Bowie said that about him. Elton John said that about him. Really? Um, well, Leonard Cohen said that about him. So, who is uh, he again? He's called Rufus Wainwright. Rufus Wainwright. Rufus. Yeah, he's Canadian. Okay. Interesting. And he's, uh, yeah, and he's so. I mean, he releases an album almost every year since uh, since the 1999. Interesting. <laughs> Brilliant man. He, he wrote like two operas, and he's he, like has these crazy projects that just. I mean, uh, I'm for me like quintessential musician, you know. So wow. I got to meet him in New York last year. Uh huh. And I was so looking forward to it, so looking forward to it. And after it, after this meeting, I couldn't listen to his music for like a couple of months. Whoa, how come? Although we had beautiful conversation and the guy is so inspiring. I'm like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> but then, I mean, obviously, I got back to listening to him. But I, I guess like... Uh, I guess it does mis- demystify the artist, right? When you uh, when you actually see the person in the, and you meet them, you kind of demystify them. Uh, I mean, I didn't have that experience to be honest. When I met um, a couple of my uh, like musical idols, like Metallica yeah. and and Guns N' Roses and these guys, I don't know, man. I felt um, I felt more pumped. You know, I'm like, wow, these guys turned out to be really cool. You know, <laughs> and it's exactly what I imagined. They're fucking cool yeah. guys. You know. Um, Actually, with with Guns N' Roses, they were a bit more arrogant. But to be honest, I didn't get pissed off because I was like, you know what, you're Guns N' Roses. You like you have the right to be. Yeah, you, <laughs> you got the Go right. Go ahead to be. and be arrogant. <laughs> exactly. You know, it, it's fine, man. You're Slash. You're the coolest yeah. person in the world. It's totally fine. <laughs> Actually, Slash was super nice. Um, but yeah, man, it's cool. No, I think for you also, I think I respect what you guys are doing, and I, I um, you know, I, I follow this scene closely. Um, you, uh, like I said, uh, I got uh, into you guys uh, later than um, than I did with Hayajan and the others. Hayajan yeah. in particular, I really like because I love Ala Wadi's voice. Yeah. Um, you know, he's uh, to me, he's he was actually one of the first that I listened to way back in the day on his YouTube channel and stuff like that. That actually yeah. got me into you know that sort of world, you know. And um, and there's also Cairo Key uh, from Egypt. Um, who uh, were the voice of the Egyptian revolution back in 2011. Oh. Um, sure. so, so all these bands really, like I, I love what you guys are doing. And I say you guys, cause I, I put you all together in one strong scene, like I said earlier. So honestly, man, well done. And thanks man. It's thanks, amazing. Man. And I, I really can't wait for you to see what you guys are doing next. We can't either. I mean, uh, we're working on an album right now and we hope to be able to put it out, you know, uh, soon enough. We don't have a problem actually with the production because we found a way to produce uh, music with each being at home. Um, but we're going to probably finish it in a month or two and then wait it out and, and see, um, you know, how the world is in a couple of months and then see <laughs> when we and that's, release. And that's something you can actually say now. We'll see how the world is because literally yeah. this affects the entire planet. <laughs> so we'll yeah. see how the world is in the next couple of months. Oh. Yeah. Well, uh, Anthony, thank you so much for your time. Um, thank you, Basil. I really appreciate it. I, I, I know I told you I don't take too long usually in these things, but uh, this was a very enjoyable conversation for me. So <laughs> thank you so much Same for your back. time. Same back. Thank I you. I really appreciate thank it. You, and good luck on, on your upcoming uh, songs and record. And 
Amen. I'll be on the lookout. And as soon as it comes out, I'll be promoting the shit out of it. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. All right, man. Take care of yourself. You too.